Welcome back to the Shred Takes Podcast Show. I'm Mike Shredder, your host for this podcast. And thank you for joining the podcast today. Today is going to be a podcast just done by me today. We're going to break down the NFL draft, some major things I thought about the NFL draft. And then we're going to talk about the Aaron Rodgers situation, specifically just the fact that he wants out of Green Bay. And I'm also going to talk about who looks like a dangerous team um, from the lower seed angle within the NBA playoffs that could actually cause some big time problems as we get closer to the playoffs. So we're going to break that all down on this episode of the Shred Takes Podcast Show. So to jump right into it, we're going to talk about the NFL draft. Okay. There are some definitely major storylines, right? The obvious ones was that Trevor Lawrence went number one to the Jacksonville Jaguars, which was the, you know, everyone I think expected that. And I think everyone expected Zach Wilson to go number two to the New York Jets. Those guys, I think, are very pro-ready. They have, you know, star-written potential. I think they're both going to be very good quarterbacks in different ways. I think Trevor Lawrence, I think, will find more success early just because I think the situation around him is a little better, um, slightly better. I think Zach Wilson's going to be very good as well. But again, new head coach, a team that has had a very dysfunctional franchise for a very long time in the New York Jets. We'll see how that transpires. But the big thing that I think was interesting, and I and I think I found this interesting just from my angle was Trey Lance going to San Francisco. Was I surprised by it? No, not really. I thought Mac Jones, from what everyone said, was going to go third overall. Um, that's what everyone said. Um, the reason why I, I wasn't as high on that was because the San Francisco 49ers did never seem like a team to me that was going to broadcast who they're taking. That's not really the way they operate in their organization based on what I've read and heard. Um, and basically when I looked at the Trey Lance thing, I think Trey Lance, again, is a very unknown commodity. What I mean by that is that he has a lot of incredible physical tools and the fact that he's poised, he's a strong body. And the fact that he, he worked in a pro style offense at North Dakota state, the fact that he, didn't throw an interception at all in his 17 starts and very strong arm. He can make, you know, the deep ball sideline out passes. And the thing, when I look at this, this deal, okay. They're saying, okay, Trey Lance should start right away because he needs reps. All right, fine. But I, I think the 49ers mode should be to win now. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo, if he's going to stay there, can give them a chance to be a good team again. Now, I think Trey Lance actually is a good fit for them because what people don't understand is the way Kyle Shanahan likes to run his offense. Kyle Shanahan is very big in misdirection, having lighter offensive linemen who are very quick laterally so he can run a lot of different run options. And he's big in the play-action game because his run game is very dominant. He wants to dominate you with the run game, control the clock, control the pace of the game so that when he has these different reads off of play-action – they can work effectively. Having an athletic quarterback who can do that is going to be really interesting. The reason why people, I think, are surprised about the Trey Lance whole situation is due to the fact that Trey Lance was not the guy that prototypically fit, not say fit Kyle Shanahan's offense, but the guy that usually flourished in Kyle Shanahan's offense, right? Think about the quarterbacks Kyle Shanahan has had, right? Matt Ryan, Kurt, Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Three guys who aren't really high level athletes, right? Guys who stand the pocket and make throws from there. And, and again, Mac Jones seemed like a guy that was a 
comparable comparison to that. And a lot of people still feel like they were Mac Jones all the way until the end. But they took Trey Lance. And Trey Lance, the, the, the real concerns with him is more the fact that he hasn't played in like the last two minutes of the game where he's had to you know, throw the ball down the field in order to win it. Um, he, hasn't, he only threw 318 passes in 17 games. And the fact is, too, is that he played in the FCS, which didn't have the greatest competition. So people are definitely skeptical about it. My thing is that it's a high-risk, high-reward deal, right? Because his potential is through the roof because of his athleticism, even though I think Justin Fields is more athletic. You know, Trey Lance and then probably, you know, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence are kind of grouped in there together. But Trey Lance has got an incredible level of athleticism, great physical tools. And again, he seems to be a good decision maker based on the fact that he didn't throw a lot of interceptions. So I look at that and I say, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, if you look at his stats breakdown, he has 67% completing percentage. He had 28 touchdowns, no interceptions, and 14 rushing touchdowns. Okay, that's pretty damn good. Pretty damn good in my opinion. So I look at that and say, okay, he's got incredible accuracy um, in terms of being 67%. That's, that's very good. That's very accurate. He has good decision-making, but the concerns are, okay, he hasn't really been in difficult spots. He hasn't thrown a lot of passes. So what will he be like in the NFL? That's why I think it's high risk, high reward, because he fits the Shannon offense, I think, very well because he's athletic. He can run those play actions very effectively. But I think the thing that makes him interesting from my standpoint is that there are a lot of things he has to just get used to in the NFL and develop. I think he needs to develop a little bit, too. I think Shanahan will work on that. I don't know who the week one star is going to be in San Francisco, to be honest with you. Um, if it's Garoppolo, I think that actually would be good for Trey Lance to kind of learn the NFL system a little bit because I think everyone was talking about how he kind of needs to do that. But now everyone's kind of 180 or 360 even and saying that he should be starting week one. That's interesting to me because I think Trey Lance can benefit from the experience of having a couple of games or even a year to stand behind a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo and learn from him. But I think that this is, this is an interesting pick. I think it, could, it definitely could pay off in, in, in a big-time fashion for San Francisco, but it also is a high risk because, again, of the lack of experience and the not always the clean mechanics based on you know Trey Lance's throwing motion. So that's basically how I go there. In terms of the second part of the NFL draft, in terms of something else that jumped out to me. Okay, Justin Fields to the Bears obviously jumped out to me. And Justin Fields, I think, was a guy who I think was overly criticized um, because I think of his processing awareness and the fact that he's had inaccuracy issues like against Notre Dame and Alabama where he was, wasn't really that great. People forget against Alabama, he did have a rib injury that definitely bothered him highly in that game. However, when I look at Justin Fields to the Bears, what this is good for is that if you're worried about his development angle, he can sit behind Andy Dalton. And then if Andy Dalton doesn't do well in a few games, you can bring him in. For Matt Nagy, this is great too, because the Bears had no deep ball threat last year with Nick Foles. Just didn't have it, right? Didn't really have any, any sense of deep ball threat in, in terms of their quarterback. Justin Fields can throw the deep ball. And, he, and from what the stats show, he was the most accurate quarterback in terms of doing that. So I think, look, it's the same thing with Trey Lance. There's a high risk, high reward thing there. But I think Fields has, you know, you can say the mechanic flaws, whatever, but I think Fields has, is the most athletic quarterback in the draft. 
I think he's a guy that's a consistent hard worker. He's got a great attitude based on what I've read and seen. And the thing is also what goes on in there is the fact that the Bears now get a guy who is multidimensional and can actually make their offense more dynamic if they develop him properly and if he works on it, his game hard. So that's, I think the Justin Fields pick is actually a good pick. I think it's, it's, I don't think it's the steal of the draft. I think it's one of the steals of the draft. Um, I think Mac Jones is another steal. Um, but look, we'll see how this goes. But I, I think the Bears did a really smart decision getting Justin Fields, trading up to get him. And I think it really helped. I think it will help them. Even if he's behind Andy Dalton to start, I think he, he eventually will, will actually be a pretty good quarterback in the NFL. Um, not, I don't think he's going to be maybe all-time great um, at this moment because I have to see it in, in NFL action. But I think he's got the physical tools to be very, very good. Um, I do. I, I think he has the physical tools to be really efficient. Um, I, I think the big thing with him is, you know, understanding and processing information better. I think working on his accuracy issues in terms of the intermediate game, I think. I think deep ball wise, he's pretty, he's pretty dang good because of his strong arm. He has good numbers based on that, throwing the football, you know, 15 yards plus. The issue is, I think, the more the intermediate game. I think that's where he's going to have to get better for the Bears to trust him. I think for the scouts who don't trust his mechanics as well, because there are some times where there's mechanical issues that I've heard that people don't think can be fixed. I think Justin Fields has the determination to be able to be a, a good quarterback. And again, Lamar Jackson is not an elite level passer. He's a guy that, you know, has a good, good completing percentage, but, he, you know, dominates his legs. And again, I think, you know, Justin Fields can be a, a guy who's a slightly better passing version, not saying as good as Lamar, because Lamar's special. There's not, not many guys like him. I'm saying that type of a quarterback. So I look at that and that's the kind of the way I look with Justin Fields. Kyle Pitts to the Atlanta Falcons was a great move. I'm glad Atlanta didn't trade out of the number four slot spot because Kyle Pitts, I think, is going to be a superstar. I think he's got all the talent, right? Now, look, his straight line speed and his blocking aren't really exceptional, but his route running, his athleticism the tight end, his ability to you know take on mismatches, his lateral speed, changing, breaking from a position again to a route, he's very good with that. So I look at that and say, Kyle Pitts with – Julio Jones with Calvin Ridley, this team could be, be really dangerous offensively. With under Arthur Smith, Smith too, who did a great job in Tennessee, this team could be really interesting going forward. And that's kind of the way I feel about it. That's the way I look at it too, is that um, the fact that I think that Kyle Pitts was a really good pick. Now, Mac Jones, right? Everyone thought he was going to go to the San Francisco 49ers, right? He ended up going to the Patriots. And if you're a Pats fan, you should be pretty happy about this one because he can possibly sit behind Cam Newton, but he's a guy that fits that can fit the, the Belichick scheme, a good intermediate passer, a guy who can maneuver very well in the pocket, makes really, really good decisions. Um, he's not a big deep ball thrower. He's more of an intermediate guy, but he's a guy who's incredibly accurate. He's a guy that honestly doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He has proven to play well against big competition. He's not very athletic or very dynamic in terms of being a deep thrower. But again, in Belichick's offense, he doesn't necessarily have to be that. So I think he, he's under Josh McDaniels, great offensive coordinator, Belichick, great coach. This is, and they have a lot better weapons now with all the free agent moves they made during the deadline. So I look at this team and with Mac Jones and you have Cam Newton still there ahead of him. You know, you see how Cam works out, but Mac Jones can be that guy for you in the future. 
if Cam Newton just can't do it anymore, right? I still think Cam Newton deserves another year, deserves another shot, but that's a steal. And I, and I think Mac Jones is going to flourish in New England. Look, is he going to be – does he have the potential of guys like Lawrence, Wilson, Fields, and Lance? No. But I think in terms of being ready to go in the NFL to help a team contribute, the fact that Nick Saban and Belichick have a relationship, the fact that he's that Mac Jones has proven it against good competition, the fact that he's very accurate. And, and in terms of the way that New England plays, this can work really well for them. So that's kind of all my, my, my kind of synopsis of the draft. Those are kind of the way I looked at the draft. Um, and that's, those are kind of my takeaways, right? I think that the Justin Fields pick is a good pick. I, I think that, you know, he's, he's high risk, high reward. I think Trey Lance is a, it falls into the same boat as that. I think Mac Jones is a really big seal for New England because I think he's ready to play and contribute. Do I think I, and it's not from a potential standpoint, but I think he could be a good quarterback. And then obviously Kyle Pitts, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, I think are all going to be really good players in the NFL. So that's kind of the way I look at it. Now, Aaron Rodgers now supposedly wants out of Green Bay. Um, it's a long time coming. And to be honest, I, I, I'm going to keep it sh- short on this, right? Aaron Rodgers wanting out of Green Bay does not shock me one bit. And the reason why it does not shock me is simply because Aaron Rodgers has not felt like he's gotten the right, the, the right side of the deal in terms of being treated respectfully by management because of the, the weapons they've gotten around him, because of the fact that they're always one piece away from winning a championship. Now, here's the thing I'll say about Aaron Rodgers, right? For people who are saying that he doesn't deserve any blame in the NFC Championship game, he deserves blame, okay? He's the quarterback. He's, he's a top three player in football. He had multiple chances in, inside of 20 yards to get a touchdown, and they got field goal after field goal. He deserves some blame. Now, the management does too, because drafting Jordan Love was not a good sign for Green Bay in terms of their management. I, I think Aaron Rodgers has gotten a wrong deal. But I think the fact is, what's interesting about it too, is that, look, San Francisco just called into the Packers to ask about him. I think Denver obviously would be a really good fit. And again, San Francisco could make a really good move on this because San Francisco has the assets to trade. And I think if you're Green Bay, you have to consider it. But I don't, ulti- I don't know where he's going to go. But again, am I surprised by this? No, not really. Because I think that Aaron Rodgers has been not happy with Green Bay for a long time. And I think that this also is a play on trying to make sure that Green Bay drafts correctly to get pieces around him that are going to be successful. I get that from his angle. I think it's also the fact that he's using this as a draft tool. If they don't draft correctly. I think you're going to see him be gone. And um, it's going to be interesting how this all unfolds. Again, Aaron Rodgers is a top three player in football. He's an unbelievable talent, unbelievable player. He needs, he needs to find a way to get the job done. Unfortunately, he's fallen short too many times in his playoff career. And I look at that and say, you know, Aaron, um, you know, the management's definitely done you wrong, but you could have won that NFC championship game anyway. You had, you had a talented team. I know the Bucs had a really good defense, but you were carving them up all game until the, those three interceptions happened, you couldn't convert. So you're going to credit their defense, obviously, and maybe it's play calling, whatever, but I feel like him and Matt LaFleur have gotten a pretty good understanding of each other, except for that fourth down call that happened in the NFC Championship game. But they generally have a good relationship. So I think it's between the front office and Aaron. Aaron doesn't want to, seems like he doesn't want to be there. And 
I, I don't blame him, but I also think that there are team, there are certain teams he fits with, right? Obviously, you stayed in Green Bay. I think he makes him a Super Bowl contender. If he goes to San Francisco, I would pick them to come out of the NFC because all the pieces around him. I think if he went to Denver, I think Denver would instantly become a playoff contender because they have a great defense. They have a good tight end. They have good, sneaky, good wide receivers. They have, a, you know, emerging better old line. And again, their quarterback is the question, right? Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater are probably not the guys they probably want to envision their franchise with. Teddy Bridgewater, I think, is a very solid quarterback. Again, he's had good years, good sense of backup, you know, relieving guys. Drew Locke is very inconsistent. You know, there's a lot of laziness in terms of what I, what I hear from his mechanics. Um, he had a, a, a big, big turnover issue problem in his second year. So if they can find a way to get Aaron Rodgers, I think they'd be a great chip. If anyone can get Aaron Rodgers, honestly, unless you're the Chiefs, you know, like those top tier teams, even if they got, even if they got Aaron Rodgers, they'd probably be a little better, but it'll be interesting how to see how that unfolds. That's just, that's all I'm going to kind of say on it, but um, it's really interesting. Now, my last segment, what I'm going to talk about briefly for you guys is some sleepers, I think, to make noise in the Western Conference, right? So before I get started on that, I think the Lakers right now are a team that can be very dangerous, obviously, at the five seed. But right now, Anthony Davis does not look very good. They, they're, they look a little slow. They don't look um, in sync with him back yet. The spacing, like I've I've mentioned this before to people I know and everything like that. The fact is, I was a little concerned about the spacing between Andre Drummond and, and Anthony Davis. Now, I think LeBron can figure that stuff out. But the problem it always comes down to is the fact that Anthony Davis kind of needs a paint to operate. Andre Drummond kind of clogs the lane. And even though Anthony Davis is more of a finesse scorer than a power player like a Drummond or even LeBron, he needs the paint to operate to have his spacing. And he hasn't looked very good. He hasn't, he looks like he has kind of lost a step from that injury. And the Lakers have some concerns. I mean, I think they, they need LeBron back as soon as he's ready to go, because I think they need to build a chemistry with him. And I think LeBron is the guy who can put this team over the top without LeBron James. I don't think they get out of the first round. And, and with a 50% LeBron James, I'm not even sure they get out of the second round or even the first round either. If LeBron James is fully healthy, fully ready to go, they're in good shape, but the Anthony Davis has got to start kind of getting his rhythm back and figuring it out because he's the, he's the factor. If he's not Anthony Davis, this team's not going to win. And um, that's how I feel there. But in terms of sleepers, I look at a few teams. I look at the Miami heat. I look at the Dallas Mavericks. Um, I think Portland is a team that people are going to put in there. Right. But I, I don't look at Portland as much. I'm going to break down why I think Dallas and Miami are and Miami is because they have a top five defense. They have a championship level head coach and they have champion experience from last year. Jimmy Butler has been great in the playoffs. So is Bam Adebayo. And the reason why I say they could be a sleeper is because they have a great defensive scheme. Now, if they end up getting the seventh seed, let's say, right. And they have to play Philly in the first round, I would take Philly in that series, but I, I wouldn't put, push it back at being a six or seven game series because Miami has started to play better recently. Miami has started to kind of figure out who they are as a team Miami started to buy in a little bit more um, and get their guys healthier. And the reason why I think they're a dangerous team is primarily because they have that experience of last year. They have a chance to go on the run. No one talks about them and they go on a run, right? People would say it was a fluke. I think they're, they are a legit team. Um, and again, they're getting Oladipo back soon. With those guys, they could be really tough to stop, especially if they get the sixth spot. They've already had success against Giannis 
in the postseason before. Last year, they really made things difficult on Giannis, obviously building the wall. The Sixers would be tougher in terms of guarding Embiid, but you know they, they're a sleeper because they have a great defense, great head coach, guys who've been there before, and star players who have performed well in the playoffs. And that's huge as you're going into a, you know the playoff period of time. They've also been playing better, like I said. If they get the sixth spot, they could totally beat Milwaukee. Totally could beat Milwaukee. I think they have a better chance of being Milwaukee than Boston does at this moment in time. Because I think Boston has just a lot of inconsistencies and a lot of issues defensively that just they, they won't be able to stop Milwaukee, I think, as well as Miami will. Miami's a top five defense. And Miami has already proven they can do it before. So Miami's a team out of the East, I look at and say, this team can be real, real dangerous. In terms of the Western Conference, though, I think that the Dallas Mavericks are a really dangerous team. And the reason why I say that is because you look at guys like Luka Doncic, right? Guys averaging 28, 8, and 8, right? Unbelievable stats. Shooting better from threes, 35.9%. He's still shooting about 47-ish percent from the floor. And he's a guy that basically is still top eight in PER, which means his impact is like the eighth best, in the, the top eight in the league. And he's a guy that basically runs the engine for the Dallas offense. They were 20th at one point in offense efficiency. Now they're eighth, right? They've gotten slightly better defensively this year. They went from 21st last year in defensive efficiency to 18th this year. So they have, they have a great capability to win games. And I think Dallas can be scary because the thing is at, at the sixth spot, they play the Clippers right now. And the Clippers need Kawhi fully healthy for that series because Paul George has been playing at a really high level, right? I think the slander on him definitely – can be stopped to an extent. I need to see more of in the playoffs to see this Paul George. If this Paul George shows up with Kawhi Leonard, the Clippers could win a world championship. But I think that Dallas could be interesting because Porzingis is a matchup issue when he's healthy. Jalen Brunson, Tim Hardaway Jr., who just had 42 points last night. Jalen Brunson is also a great piece as well. You got Maxi Kleba, who's a great defender and three-point shooter. He's one of the best percentage-wise three-point shooters in the league right now. And you look at guys like Dorian Finney-Smith, two-way player you look at Josh Richardson playing better right you have guys like Dwight Powell athletic center of the pick and roll and can do a lot of things for you there you look at that they have a lot of spacing on offense right you look at the fact they're also playing much better recently and the fact that they're the sixth spot is, is, is a dangerous spot for teams to be in because Luke has proven the playoffs that he could be a big-time player right Porzingis even played well against the Clippers in that series too because it's hard to guard those guys because of the way they run that their two man action in terms what I mean by that is like pick and roll handoff kind of situations. And the reason why is because Porzingis can dive and he's very athletic and he's more willing to post up this year than, than the previous year at Dallas. And also he's a really good shooter and both guys are willing to shoot log threes. And the fact is the both, since both of them are a threat makes things very difficult. So I look at those teams and I think that's kind of the way I, I, I envision the two sleepers, right? Portland, the reason I don't think they're a sleeper is for a few reasons, right? They just don't play well enough defensively. They've been inconsistent. They haven't played well recently. And I really look at the fact that Yusuf Nurkis has not been the same player he was last year. So the issue, and I know it's been injuries and I know people are going to make excuses for them. Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum are not the, re, you know, not the reason to blame them for not being a sleeper. It's more because of the fact that their supporting cast I don't trust enough, right? Norman Powell is a great player. He's playing really well there. But Yusuf Nurkic and Enos Kanter, those guys are not good defensively. Yusuf Nurkic has dr dramatically dipped in his production this season. And 
they haven't been consistent recently, right? I think you have to play good basketball going into the postseason. They had two great wins recently. And I know Anthony Simons had a great game the other day where he went nine for nine from three. But the thing is, I look at Portland and they're just not consistent enough. I think Phoenix is much better than what team than, than people think they are. And if they play Portland the first round, I would take Phoenix. Phoenix has a better defense, a good, you know, as good or better offense. And they play really well together. And they haven't had as many guys in and out of the lineup. And they've been more consistent in terms of just their overall play. So that's kind of the, the thing I look with Portland. Portland has great stars in CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard's having an unbelievable year this year. But I don't think they're quite a sleeper. I think the sleepers are definitely Miami in the East and Dallas in the West, right? You can say Portland as well, but Portland just, ha- they always are a team that people think are contenders, but they never quite get over the hump. So I, I, I can't quite do that yet. Dallas, I just think the fact that Luca and Porzingis, I think to present more difficult matchup issues for, you know, for teams in the pick and roll is the reason why I think they're more dangerous. And the fact that Rick Carlisle's won a head coach, Rick Carlisle's won a, uh, an NBA championship, that's where I kind of go. That That's also another reason as well. So Again, this is uh, the reason I have those teams as sleepers. So that's how I break it down. Reminder, again, thank you so much for tuning into the program. Um, you know, like, like, like the page on uh, YouTube, uh, follow, the, you know, us, uh, follow my page on Instagram, and as well as subscribe to this on Apple Podcasts to get more episodes. I'm going to have a guest on next week. Appreciate you guys listening to my solo podcast today and have a good rest of your weekend. Thank you.